Hi, this is Carol Kirshner, and you are watching the TV Writer Podcast. This is Gray, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine, episode 103 for June 23rd, 2020. This week's episode is once again sponsored by Pilar Alessandra, the author of the Coffee Break Screenwriter and On the Page podcast. And she is again offering a 10% discount off one of her interactive online classes. This one is Writing TV, and it runs four Saturdays from July 11th to August 1st. In the first three classes, Pilar helps you create a series pitch, world, cast, and pilot. Class four is all about the business, and here Carol Kirshner takes over, discussing staffing, selling, and obtaining representation. The class is open to TV writers at all levels and is taught through Zoom in real time. To get your 10% off, use the coupon code on the page 10 at checkout. If you want to help me to continue to bring these weekly episodes to you, please consider becoming a patron or sponsor for as little as 25 cents per episode. And there are reward levels for different amounts. Visit tvwriterpodcast.com slash support for details. Well, today I have an interview with Carol Kirshner. Carol Kirshner was on the podcast about eight years ago in episode 54. And uh, it was a great interview. She talked about her amazing career in, in television and how she started the CBS Diversity, Ment or Diversity Institute Writers Mentoring Program, as well as uh, with Jeff Melvoin, co-created the Showrunner Training Program. And we talked about her book, Hollywood Game Plan. Um, she just has so much great advice um, to writers who are starting out. And I would urge that you watch that episode first, episode 54. You can find it on Podbean, Spotify, YouTube, tvwriterpodcast.com. You can find it at scriptmag.com. All of the aggregators for the, the podcast do listen to that first. And she was also actually on my um, How to Write a TV Pilot panel at San Diego Comic-Con. You can find that in episode 85. Um, and you can have a lot of her thoughts on pilots there. But today, specifically, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, writing fellowships. And writing fellowships are powerful for a number of reasons. I, I can't understate um, how powerful they are. If you've been following the podcast, listening to other writers, um, you probably know as well as I do that virtually every writer that I've talked to who has been a part of one of these writing fellowships has gotten on staff either directly or very soon after um, being on the this uh, in one of these writing fellowships. As a matter of fact, Keto Shimizu, um, she finished uh, this writing fellowship, and just a few late years later, she was a showrunner for a show. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why. But uh, Carol goes into great depth talking about how you can separate yourself from the pack, um, how in terms of your script submissions, in terms of your um, personal statement, uh, how you can separate yourself from all of the hordes of other people who are applying and make sure that you get into these valuable programs. So you're going to love this interview. She also talks at great length about the showrunner training program and about the state of the industry. And so um, can't wait for you to hear it. Make sure you um, share your thoughts on Twitter and uh, on all of the aggregators. Uh, make sure to post comments on, on this interview and how you might have benefited from it and what you learned from it, questions you have. Carol's awesome at answering questions on Twitter. Um, but on to my interview with Carol Kirshner. Enjoy. 
Well, I am so pleased to have you back on the podcast. Um, this is Carol Kirshner, who spent 15 years as a development executive at CBS. She started Am Amblin, everybody's heard of Amblin, TV development. Um, first one. Create the first uh, one. The first one, okay. And uh, created... Now we've we've talked on the on the podcast about how awesome the fellowship programs are. She actually created the CBS Diversity uh, program uh, and has run that for 16 years, and also uh, helped Jeff Melvoin start the Showrunner Training Program and has been doing that for 15 years. And uh, plus, to speaking all over the world and serves as an entertainment coach as well. Um, wow! Happy to have you back. I am so excited to be back. Thank you for having me. Yep, and and I know we were talking a little bit before. Can't believe it was eight years ago. That, I cannot uh, believe it. And you it, know, my publisher says you want to do a second edition, and I went, I don't think so because it's so much work. And writing yeah. the book the first time was really hard. I am. Mm. Um, I'm not a writer. I work with writers. So it was it was challenging. So not that much has some things have certainly changed. But in terms of the process that you need to do to break in and how you present yourself, that that really hasn't changed that much. Hmm. And of course, we're speaking about your book, Hollywood Game Plan, which um, I, I would urge anybody who's w watching this interview or maybe you just found this this interview, um, please go to tvwriterpodcast.com and look for episode 54, which was when we first discussed Carol's path into the industry and uh, writing her book and all about Hollywood Game Plan, how awesome it is. And please, if you don't own that, that that's, that's one of those books that you have to have on your shelf. And then you add other things to it. Um, ah, thank you. I'll be yeah. sending a little something your way for that plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we're not going to rehash topics from that, but I, I absolutely agree. My, my daughter is, uh, is wanting to be a TV writer, and your book was one of the first books I recommended that she read. And I think the stuff you talk about in your book is absolutely still relative, um, uh, relevant today. And, uh, I mean, I would love to see a second edition, but even if you never had one, I don't I don't recall anything in the book that isn't um, still accurate today. I think the only two things, and mm. you know, we can certainly talk about this later, is social media plays a much bigger part in how you can connect with people and how you can meet people that can help you and that you can help and help you break in. And mm. that the barrier to creating content and getting out there is so low, anybody can do it. That was well, sort of that way mm -hmm. eight years ago, but it's much more now. Well, why don't we talk about that now? It, would you say that's that's a, a an effect of peak TV? Because eight years ago there was roughly two hundred twenty shows on TV. Now there's about five hundred thirty. So that's how right. much of that is just how much more content there is being produced? Um, that is a really good question. I think part it, there's two parts of it. One is technology is so improved that you can make something that looks awesome for $2. I mean, I'm exaggerating, mm. but, and so that makes you look good. You can push it out uh, through social media in a way that other, that before you might not have been able to do that. And it will mm. get, it will get found if it's high concept and really compelling. Um, the fact that there's so much hunger for new content does mean that things 
that are original with a, with a unique voice are being snatched up to make into television shows. So yeah, mm. that's true. It's both of those, yeah. all three of those things. Yeah, very, very cool. So we will definitely watch for a second edition if you can get around to it. <laughs> but um, the, the main reason that I wanted to bring you on this time and, and why I wanted to um, have a full second interview is really actually speaking about social media, um, it was a Twitter thread that you had. And that Twitter thread was talking about the CBS Diversity Institute Writers Mentoring Program and your experience going through the submissions that people were giving you. And, and uh, with your permission, what I would love to do is sort of read through that thread, but then get you to expand on sure. the things that you said. Sure, that'd be great. So, yeah, so, so before, just in case there's somebody who's never heard about the CBS Diversity Institute a Writers Mentoring Program, what is it and who is it for? Okay, so it is a program that helps launch the careers of diverse writers, writers of color, LGBTQ, and writers that have a unique perspective and a diverse perspective in the world. Um, mm -hmm. What it is, is it's an eight-month program. And eight the months, first okay. eight months, the mm -hmm. first two to three months, you work. It's a very unique program. I mean, there's similarities, and okay, I'm a little... I'm a little immodest, but mm -hmm. ours was the first and a lot of the other programs sort of model themselves on it. So um, they work with, you have a executive, either a studio or a network executive work with you as your mentor on a new piece of material, often a pilot. Mm -hmm. Then I get them for 16 weeks and 16 weeks of once a week workshops and mm -hmm. what it's about is how you learn to present yourself, how you polish yourself, how you take a meeting. I have executives and agents and managers and lots and lots of showrunners come and we do uh, mock showrunner meetings wow. and it's very stressful for the mentees, but as so many of them have said, by the time they're done, when they're walking into an actual showrunner meeting, they're much less stressed. And they get a lot of feedback. So they know what's the right thing to do, what's not the right thing to do, what you should be saying about yourself, what you shouldn't be saying about yourself, how do you meet more people, stuff like that. And then there is absolutely no guarantee, but in most situations, we staff the network pays 26 weeks of a staff writer's salary on a wow. CBS or CW or CBS studio show. Hmm. And that cannot be understated. No, I no. Mean, and Jeannie, go ahead. Yeah. And it, I mean, the, the, the people that I know who've taken these fellowships, um, I mean, first of all, even if it wasn't for that, um, they said that this was like literally the key as in the key that opens the door, the key that opened the door to a TV writing career. But with that, with the, 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 the program actually, or CBS actually paying for that 26 weeks to say that helps you get on staff is, is an understatement. Yes. And I just have to say my colleague, Jeannie Mao, uh, who's VP of global inclusion and diversity, she is the one that works behind the scenes tirelessly to get our mentees material to all of the showrunners and mm -hmm. to advocate for them. So she's amazing. 
And and one of the one of the toughest things for a showrunner when they're staffing the show is they they basically have X dollars and they have to fill the room with that number of dollars. So that's right. I mean, it's obviously tremendously um, appealing for these showrunners to say, hey, you can get extra bodies in the room and it's not going to cost you much. It's not going to cost you anything for the first 26 yep. weeks. Abs yep. Absolutely. And then showrunners take into account how many lower level people they want, how many mid-level, upper level. And we want to staff people on shows where after those 26 weeks, the show will pay for them. Hmm. Um, and that happens a lot. It happens a lot. Very, very cool. And, and so um, tell me... It, how many people typically apply and how many actually get chosen for the program every year? It's about 1,300 people apply and we take anywhere between six and eight people. The odds wow. are very long. Okay. Well, so that's a great setup for the thread, um, yeah. the, the Twitter thread that you had, had because you want to be able to be seen out of a pack of 1,300 people and the things that we're going to talk about today are some of the things that are going to separate the, the six or eight from those 1,300. So um, first of all, I'm just going to read. Um, you started out saying for the CBS program, we have and always will require a spec and original piece of writing, a pilot, short story, or one-act play. We also ask for a letter of interest. Other programs are looking for a spec only, a pilot only, or two pilots. One thing for sure, however, is that every program is eager to read your letter of interest personal essay. That really is key, so make sure you treat that with time and care. That actually was one of the things that first made me pay attention to that thread because I think so much more work goes into the quote-unquote writing submission. And it, and it was really not until I read your thread that I, I realized just how much that personal letter is a writing submission. What, can you talk about that? Absolutely. So what you said is true. People put time and energy and they get feedback on their scripts and then they race through the letter of interest. But here's what happens. Mm -hmm. Readers read those 1300 and then it's broken down and a second reader will read the highest scores and then a third reader will read the highest scores and then it will come to Jeannie and me, the top, top, top scores. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what determines who we're going to invite for an interview is that letter of interest. Wow. And if somebody can't, we find out who, and this is true for all of the programs, it's not just ours, but we mm -hmm. wanna know who you are, how you're different than all the other 1,300 people that are applying, what your personality is, we're trying to get a sense of your personality, your life experience, and your attitude. Mm. Um, and you can have great writing samples, but if your letter of interest is not good at all, we probably won't call you in, although, if you have fabulous writing samples and your letter of interest is okay to pretty okay, then we probably will bring you in and just see if in person you're going to be. Um, we say you have to have it on the page and on the stage. So mm. on the page is the script and it's also the letter of interest. And then on the stage is in the interview. Hmm. And skipping ahead a little bit of the thread, you said, 
don't fool yourself. The letter of interest is the final writing sample. Um, it should be an exciting narrative. Start yes. off with a personal story from your life that'll grab the reader emotionally, put us in the story. So you actually are writing this letter of interest as you might a pilot with the cold open or the, or the tease and then really engaging people in the first, like a lot of the same principles as when you're telling a narrative. What, what kind of stuff do you see and, and how do you, like tell me about what that narrative might look like. Sure. Here's sort of how you structure it. You start with a story that you just pull people in or a statement. Um, you know, I read so many of them and I'm in the process right now of reading them. So I don't want to give away any that, that I've just read, mm. but you know, if something happened to you as a child, put us there, there you are mm. in the backyard, there you are, um, climbing Mount Everest, whatever it is. And that should not just grab us emotionally, but should speak in some way to how you became a writer or why you wanted to be a writer. Then it's a chronological narrative of your life. It includes what you've overcome to become a writer. It includes what makes you colorful and interesting and successes that you've had without sounding like a jerk. Mm -hmm. um, and what, why you decided to become a writer, what drives you as a writer, what you love to write. And then for us, I'm not sure every fellowship has this prompt. We want to know how your diverse voice is going to add to the writer's room. You know, what can you bring to it? It's your life experience, certainly. We had somebody who got into, she's a client of mine, actually. She, mm -hmm. I, she got into a number of programs and she had been an actress. So part of what she brought to the table was she understood what an actor needs to see on the page and in dialogue and how a show is structured. Um, if somebody does improv, if somebody has been a playwright, um, and you know, that they're not afraid to speak up in a writer's room and that they work collaboratively. And, um, I think that's it. Does it, does that hmm. answer that question? Yeah, I think so. And, and also one other thing you mentioned, on this topic is let us know that you love television, but don't spend too much time on that. Since if you didn't love it, you wouldn't be applying. Talk about that part of it. Sure, sure. I can't tell you the number of people that said, I, and here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to be a kiss ass. I love television. Mm. My favorite shows of all time are CBS. And then you list five of them. <laughs> um, you can, yeah. we, I don't believe you're not watching Netflix and you're not watching HBO and you don't have other mm. favorites. Um, you can mention one that made a difference or two. Here's what a lot of people say. You can say it, mm. but there's a lot of people that say it. I was a latchkey kid or growing up, television was my babysitter. Mm. That's fine if that's your experience, but you need to be able to expand upon it. We mm. know you love television because if you didn't, you know, you could say it in a sentence. I mm. love television because... But don't go on and on about it. Right. Very cool. And now getting to the actual um, stories that you're submitting, the, the pilot and the spec, um, you have a part of your thread where you talk about the pilot, and you said, if you're submitting a pilot, make it something only you can write. Write what you know, write from your unique life experience, but make sure it's universal in its appeal. A plot 
that can tell me a writer is probably a newbie is when you write a script about a man woman who is either successful or a failure in a glamorous business in New York or LA and they are forced to move back to their family's home because they're not succeeding in the big city or something happens to their family in the South Midwest and they're forced to move home and end up helping run the family business. Just saying this, I've uh, seen this a hundred times, better to try something more original. This is a perfect place to show us how you successfully executed that unique and original idea you've been working on. Talk about that. Uh, obviously, yeah. you've seen a ton of that. <laughs> I mean, that was actually somewhat specific, but if you've seen it a hundred times, um, I tell have, me about what and you want to see. Yeah. On Twitter, a number of people who are professionals in the business said, yep, seen that a lot. It's not just oh, wow. me. It's, it's, it's a trope, practically. Mm -hmm. um, it's really a fine line between writing your personal experience and making it relatable. Hmm. If you grew up on a coffee plantation in the Himalayas and you write about growing up on a coffee plantation in the Himalayas, it, it better have very universal relationships and themes. That was a really terrible example. But, but what I mean is tell, make a story that is either a story from your own experience or from your own perspective because of your experience. Mm. Um, writing a story where what informed you as a person growing up and as a writer, you bring to that story and it also has to be universal. It can be about your culture and it needs to be universal. It can be about your personal background and it needs to be universal. Um, does that speak to the question? Yeah, and, and do you find when, when people are writing in that, sim, in that same sort of vein that it, that it comes across that, that people are just, their experience is confined to TV? Say say that again in a way. I can uh, in, in the sense, yeah, in the sense of I I do I do see a lot of people who are, are coming in and and clearly they've watched a lot of TV, but they haven't gotten a lot of life experience or maybe they they haven't been reading a lot of novels and and other things. Um, do you think that when when something is unique that it's speaking to perhaps um, not just having your experience come from television? Absolutely, absolutely. And life experience is one of the things that we really look for in that, in that letter of interest. We're looking for it. Um, people who just watch television and just write from television they've watched is boring. It's not original. It's not fresh. I always say, if you want creativity out, you have to put creativity in. Um, People who read or go to the theater or go to amusement parks, theme parks are now called, mm. people that volunteer, people who are big brothers and big sisters, people who have been abroad, people who have life experiences. They're policemen or doctors or um, detectives. That doesn't happen very often, but we had a physician who was also in the Air Force, um, mm -hmm. write about life experience. It's why sometimes 
people that are very, very young have a hard time writing anything besides college experiences and people mm. in high school. You, you need to have a bigger canvas than that. Um, mm. So I couldn't agree with you more. Personal life experience, enriching life experience, reading, consuming things other than television is mm. enormously helpful. Yeah. And, uh, and I imagine that's one of the reasons why um, a one-act play or a short story might be appealing because they speak to the fact that you're, you have interests outside of the medium. Yes, yes. We, we rarely get those, but we love them. There's somebody many years ago who had written a short story that was so compelling that she got into the program and what she had said, because she wasn't 19, you know, she mm -hmm. said, I was about to give up. If I hadn't wow. have gotten into the program this year, I was done. And her wow. short story was so unique, so original, so creepy, because it was a sort of a, a supernatural thing, that we just mm -hmm. said, we have to meet these, this woman. And oh, she wow. was fabulous in the room. And she has a very burgeoning career now. Hmm. Well, and actually, that raises a question. Um, is there a particular age that you're looking for, or is it all ages? It's all ages. It really is. Um, I think if somebody's 20, here, here's the thing, if they're 20 and in school, mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense for them to be in the program because the goal is within nine months to staff them. And if they mm. still in school, they're not going to get staffed. That doesn't yep. mean you shouldn't apply. But there is no age range. There is no age cap on it. Hmm. And, and um, what are some of the uh, oldest people that you've had through the program? I mean, not specifics, but just age. Um, we've had people in their 40s. We, mm -hmm. There was a woman in her 50s. Um, that, that's probably, as I'm recalling it, um, probably our oldest mentee was in her 50s. Hmm. Well, that's, that's very encouraging. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very, very cool. Now, moving on to you, uh, part of your th Twitter thread was about submitting a spec. And specs are not very popular right now. And I, I know don't there's care. a lot. Yeah, and I, and I know that there's a lot of showrunners, a lot of um, TV writers that I've seen on panels at conventions and things like that who are lamenting that fact because you have to know how to write a spec to write a TV show according to the voice of the showrunner. So um, your uh, this Twitter thread said, make sure it's a show that isn't so new that it could get canceled at any time and isn't so old that every story has been told. A Sweet Spot is a show that's in its second season. Choose a show that you adore, that you've watched every episode and love, a show that you know you can capture the tone and voice of the characters, then come up with an original and exciting premise, an incident that reveals something new about our main characters. You can use an outside character as the inciting incident, but focus on the leads. Talk about the kind of specs that you see and what you want to see. Sure. Well, I, I have to give my favorite example. Mm -hmm. This was 100 years ago when there was a little show called Cheers was on the air. And this yeah. was the spec. And this, got the, this guy was from the Midwest. He was in advertising. It got him into the television business, and he became a showrunner, ultimately. Yeah. So around the time that he wrote this, the Pope had come to the United States, mm -hmm. and he was traveling around the United States. And he actually had gone to Boston. So 
the premise, and this was called the shrine, and the premise uh-huh. was that the Pope comes to Boston, he's going down the street that Cheers is on, he has to use the bathroom, he stops, <laughs> he goes upstairs, he uses the bathroom, comes back out, and somebody ends up stealing the toilet. Um, and then, so you see how you just laughed when we said yeah. the Pope comes to Boston, he has to use the bathroom? For a comedy, that's fantastic because you see yeah. what it is. So, any, so it was based in reality in that the Pope mm. did come. He really could have used the bathroom. But when the toilet gets stolen and before uh-huh. they find it, we get a look at each of the main characters' thoughts on religion and spirituality. So it mm. deepened and elevated the characters as well as being funny, as well as being something that was timely and also hilarious. Hmm. Now, um, that that is a an extreme example that works. And I've heard of some really wacky specs that people have done, say, for instance, um, and boy, I don't know if it was Kedo Shimizu I, or somebody else that I heard of on a panel, say, for instance, did a spec of Lost from the perspective of the dog. Um, and it could be kind of bold to do something like that. Do you think that you can go too far? with um with those sort of um i don't know what to call them uh we call them stunt scripts stunt scripts yes yeah here's what i say about it you better freaking nail it you better (laughs) nail it if you're gonna do that because there's so many ways you can go wrong Hmm. um you it, it it's a bold move like somebody did a Mary Tyler Moore or Sex in the City or, um, but you better be able to execute it beautifully. Um, Mm. I say if that's how your brain works and you can do it, do it. And like from from Lost from the Attitude of the Dog is a very clever idea. And that person I'm sure did it great. Hmm. You have to really knock it out of the park if you're going to do that. Um, And a lot of people, a lot of stunt scripts don't work. But the ones that Hmm. do are like fantastic. Well, it's kind of of interesting because some of the some of our favorite episodes of TV or the ones that we remember are ones that do something just a little different on that episode. But that could be risky because your whole goal with a spec is that you want to feel like it could have been an episode of the series. That's right. I mean, that's why I go back to Cheers. Everything about mm. that could have been on Cheers. It was right. just that the concept was a high concept. Mm. I, I'm a big fan of high concepts. Yeah. So that you and I are talking back when a person could be in an elevator, and I mm. tell you about this script, and I say, oh, the Pope comes to Boston and uses the bathroom at Cheers, and you get it. You get it, um, yeah. And agents and managers and executives can say it in a sentence. Um, that doesn't mean you have to do that. Hmm. If you can do that and reveal character, that's a home run. Well, I, I would think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that um, a high concept makes it a lot easier um, in writing submissions because it's a huge advantage with writing submissions if, if it is the water cooler thing, like if you could say, hey, I read the script and X. And yeah. then they, they say, oh, did you hear about the script that X? Um, 
would you say that 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 those are more of the scripts that stand out, or are there also just really well written, really well executed, standard episode of the series? Are you talking about specs now? Yes, yeah, spe spec scripts. Just specs. Um, yeah. Good question. The ones with a compelling and memorable storyline premise mm. are what works. I expect that you write it beautifully and you know how to write the characters and the voice of the show. Um, if it's, if it's truly authentic to the characters and it somehow deepens our understanding of the characters or reveals something new about the character that is totally within keeping of the show, but still uncovers something, that's a home run too. Mm -hmm. And focusing on the leads um, is important. And how, how important is it to say, for instance, um, that it's budget-wise believable as an episode of the series? Well, here's the thing. If, if it, And I just want to reiterate what you said. I know a number of showrunners that are not interested in your original voice. They just want to know that you can copy their voice. So mm -hmm. Courtney Kemp, who created Power, um, and now many other shows, she only wants to see spec. She doesn't want to see original. But, but anyways, going back, um, it's... Uh, say that question again. Well, well, I think yeah, I, I think um, one of the things that people will do sometimes is in order to um, to make it feel different, to make the premise feel different, is they might focus on a minor character. Oh, right, right. Uh, Don't do that. Yeah, and another Don't thing that, that they might do is they would put their characters into a situation that could never happen in the series, just from a budget standpoint. But but of, but of course you can do it in a spec. Nobody's telling you that you can't afford it. Um, so uh, would you say it's important that it, that it really feels like an episode that could have been shot as part of the series? You know, I go back to the stunt script. If mm -hmm. you're going to make it something that is so over the top that it's unlikely that it was that it would be made. Two things. One is you better nail it. You really better nail it. And the other is it makes me think you don't understand how television works. Mm -hmm. You don't understand. You don't have an understanding of what it takes to make a show. And if you don't, that makes you such a newbie that it's hard to think about somebody that green. Not impossible. Mm -hmm. We've definitely had very green people. But paying attention to that is 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 a good idea hmm. yeah and there, there's some great uh, resources out there uh, my daughter was showing me one from uh, bitter script reader where he outlines not only sort of what are sh good sh shows to spec but he also talks about hey this show has this many pages um there's this many acts in in each episode and there's a lot of help you can get in terms of making sure that just on the page it's going to feel right as well right um, uh, let's let's move on to your next one. If you're submitting both a pilot and a spec, make sure they're both in a similar genre. Don't write a sitcom pilot and a horror spec. If you write dramas, it's okay to write a serialized character drama original and a drama procedural spec. Don't confuse the reader focus. We at the programs want to help you get staffed, but we need to know what genre you uh, to staff you in. T talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So our goal 
is ultimately to get you working. Mm -hmm. And let's just talk about CBS. CBS has certain kinds of shows. And so we need to have a piece of material that is appropriate for that genre of show. If you're mm. all over the place, and sometimes people say, and, and also agents and managers, if they wanna represent you, they need to know where to sell you because there's different buyers in each genre, there's different players, there's different broadcast you know, outlets, uh, well, not broadcast outlets, but different buyers within mm. a broadcaster, within a studio. There's comedy executives and drama executives. Um, you need to have a voice. Mm. You need to have a unique voice. When you're just starting out, try everything. You know what I mean? But mm. as, And your daughter, who's 17, is she? Yeah. When, she should be writing everything to see what she loves. Mm. But as you get more mature as a writer, you, you got to pick a lane, I think, mm. because that's what agents, managers, executives are looking for. Um, and if I'm trying to staff you, I need a couple of different samples that are all within the same genre of the show that we're going to staff you on. Right. Yeah, I'd, I've heard a lot of writers when they're starting out, they, they think it's going to impress people that you, you can write this cop procedural and then you can also write this uh, period um, fantasy. But in terms of uh, an agent who's trying to get you into meetings, which should he send you to? <laughs> um, exactly. And, and I, I imagine for this purpose that you, and especially when you're looking for a person's voice, a person's voice typically is within a very narrow um, genre, wouldn't you say? I would. Or at least their strongest voice. Their strongest voice, their most authentic voice, their most unique voice. I think everybody has sort of a rhythm that I, I call it with my clients and the writers, what is your sweet spot? What mm. do you love to write? What yeah. makes you happy when you're writing? What writing of yours is most successful? Mm. That's where you should live. That's where you should stay. It is in a, in a broad industry sense, easier to go from comedy to drama, especially mm -hmm. with all the dramedies we have now, than from drama to comedy. Right. Um, and I've known a lot of comedy writers. I went, I'm out of here. I, I, and, and they had a talent for drama and they moved over to light drama. Mm -hmm. And that, that flows into something else you said on that thread. Be sure to answer whatever specific question prompt the application, application asks. One thing we're looking for at CBS is what your unique voice can add to a writer's room. And, and how important it, is it, do you think, that they can articulate what their voice is? Uh, real important because mm -hmm. that's what we're looking for. We, we want to get you into a room. So mm -hmm. I need to know what you're going to bring to the room. It's your personal life experience for sure. It mm -hmm. is your perspective on the world and your worldview based on how you grew up and where you've lived and what you've done. Mm -hmm. When a showrunner puts together, and I know you've interviewed showrunners, you interviewed Sean, yeah. when they're putting together a room, it's like casting a play. You need somebody who can speak to character, somebody who knows uh, structure. If it's a mm. show about the Air Force, you need people who've been experienced in some way with the Air Force. 
Um, if, if it's about sororities, about colleges, I want to meet somebody who's been in a sorority or whose sister mm. was in a sorority. The other thing is, what temperament do you bring to a writer's room? How mm. collaborative are you? That's always nice to spend a sentence talking about that. But you need to add value to a writer's room and mm. we need to know what that value is. That's part mm. of what we're evaluating when we think about who to bring in for interviews. Very cool. And uh, just to, this will be the, the end of this Twitter th thread, but the end of it, you said something um, that was kind of heartbreaking. Uh, and that is make sure you follow all the instructions carefully. I can't tell you the number of times we've had to disqualify someone because they didn't follow the directions on the submission instructions. It's heartbreaking. Be thorough, be smart. Ouch. Talk about that. Ouch is right. Ouch is right. I mean, if it says make your letter of interest one page, if you turn in three pages, you're disqualified. Oh. Um, because, dude, you didn't read the instructions. How do we know that you'll be able to do what we need you to do in the program? Um, and also, what kind of hubris do you have that you think mm. that your story is worth three pages? Um, <laughs> if it says include a bio or a resume, include a bio or a resume. We've had incomplete packages where we've had to send them back. If it says, uh, we need your phone number, include your phone number. Um, it's so competitive. We just talked about mm. it, 1,300 scripts for eight slots. You, yeah. you have to really, and also, it's like if somebody doesn't have the detailed mind to, mm. to correctly fill out an application and submission, how will they be in a room? How will mm. they be in a program? Would they finish what they started? Yeah. It's wow. tough. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, and, and I know it's, it's like when you're hiring for a job, um, you have a stack of, of resumes to go through, anything that can get, that can whittle out to make your job easier, as soon as you see it, it's gonna be, it's gonna be on the reject pile. Spelling mistakes, what about spelling mistakes? Yeah, yeah, that was in my book. It's like, uh, if you don't take the time to proof it, and if you have dyslexia, then get somebody else to proof it so that it's perfect. If you, this, this speaks more to the book, but my mm. name is spelled with an E at the end, C-A-R-O-L-E. Yeah. If you send me something that says C-A-R-O-L, gone. I, yeah. I don't have time, I don't have time, hmm. so. Um, yeah, pay attention. Yep. Well, so that we're going to, we're going to wrap up this section on the CBS diversity Institute writers mentoring program, but just to, before we do, um, what are, what's, I want to say, what's its track record, but also what are you proudest of? In terms oh yeah. Of yeah. We have launched the careers of more than 60 writers of color and wow. today. 11 of our alumni are showrunners because that is the whole purpose of the program. And what makes me so happy and gratified is when people come from my CBS program and end up in my showrunner training program. And that's wow. happened a number of times. Hmm. 
that's the goal. The goal is to start to move the dial on the culture. And one way to do that is to have diverse rooms. And one way to ensure that is to have diverse showrunners. So very, we, very cool. our job isn't to just get you on staff. It's to get you in and help you move up. Yeah. Well, and I, and I got to say, congratulations, because you started this and wow, that's a, it's, that's a, yeah, pretty good resume. It's, I'm, I, I, I am so thrilled and gratified and proud. It's wonderful. Yeah. Very cool. We're going to take a quick break to hear from sponsors and then we'll be back to talk about the showrunner training program and also general thoughts about um, the industry today and what might have changed since your book. Drivingfootage.com provides 4K nine-angle driving plates for film and television. Over 14,000 clips are available for locations all around Southern California with more areas coming soon. A fully equipped camera car with height adjustable rig is available for custom shoots and second unit photography. Visit drivingfootage.com for details. AVgearguide.com provides computer and gear rentals serving the LA area, including laptops with final draft, as low as $9 a day with long booking rates available. They also scan photos, documents, video and audio tapes, and film reels to digital so you can easily share with your friends and family. Mention the name of the TV Writer Podcast and you will get 10% off your order. Visit avgearguide.com for details. Full disclosure, I do own both of these companies. By supporting them, you help me bring new in-person video interviews to you. And we're back. And now I want to hear, uh, we talked in our, in our last interview, sort of more in a general sense about the showrunner training program, but I want to learn a little bit more about it. Um, sure. I actually just recently had an interview with Derek Hughes and Ben Rabb, who were in the They're most fabulous. recent, yeah, yeah, in the most they recent were. one. And, uh, and they were telling me a, a lot about sort of their experience in it, but broad strokes, what is the showrunner training program and who specifically is it for? Sure. So it, there's two things I would say about the showrunner training program going into year 16. It is about how you go from being a writer mm -hmm. to a manager, how you develop those skills and best practices. And our motto, and I don't know if Derek and, um, what's his ben. partner's name? Uh, if Derek and Ben uh, mention this, but it's quality scripts on time. That is the mantra of the program. That is what the goal of the program is, that you get quality scripts in on time and that you become an effective manager. Hmm. So it's six Saturdays. I don't know if the guys went into it, but the first Saturday is going from writer to manager. And Jeff Melvoin hmm. does an amazing presentation on that. And John Wells does a presentation on that. And Peter uh, Roth from uh, Warner's usually comes and kicks it off. And we have a panel of alumni, uh, not alumni, of showrunners who are mm -hmm. sort of stellar showrunners, Greg Daniels, Sean Ryan. Um, this year, uh, we were going to have Lena Waithe. We have Julie Pleck. I mean, people who have mm -hmm. been very successful, Carlton Cuse. Um, then week two is managing. So it's all about managing. Week mm. two is managing writers, the writer's room and the writing process. Week three is managing production and relationships with directors. Week mm. four is managing executives and actors. 
Um, week five is managing post-production, and we have a very popular panel on how do you balance work and life. That is something that people ask for a lot, and it's been one of our most popular sessions. And did, have you had Glenn Mazzara on your show ever? Not yet. Not yet. I'd okay. So Glenn does a great presentation on crisis management. That's on mm -hmm. week three during production. Week five is uh, post-production. And then week six is managing your career. We have alumni who've been first-time showrunners that, that year come and talk mm -hmm. about in the trenches, what it's really like for a first-time showrunner. Um, this year, Greg Berlanti was going to come and speak. Uh, oh, yeah. Michael Patrick King does an awesome close. Um, but this year, because of the virus, week six didn't happen. And mm. we're looking for the world to open up again so we can get the class of 2020 to experience class six, probably with the mm. class of 2021. Yeah. Um, and so here, here's what you need to be eligible. Hmm. You have to be a senior level writer. So it's right. like co-executive producer and above mm -hmm. on a current series and or have a script in active development at a broadcaster, at a network, a streamer or a cable channel. Mm -hmm. uh, have a pilot that is in production or has been produced or and is waiting for a series pickup or have a series on the air. Mm -hmm. Those are what the qualifications are to be in the program. And the process is two-step. You have to have a letter of recommendation from a showrunner or an executive mm -hmm. um, or a producer and then you submit an application once we get your recommendation. And then there's a interview process. We get about 100, we had 185 applicants for 25 to 28 slots. So oh, we, do okay. about, we do about 50 interviews each year. And in 15 years, I've been in every single interview. I'm in wow. all of them. Um, there's other people, there's alumni and people on our uh, selection committee who are alumni are in the interviews also, but I'm in every single one to be sort of the, the uh, unifying factor. Um, I've missed one in wow. 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so, so you choose one out of every five or six people um, who are in contention. What... What are sort of the criteria of why you would choose one versus the others? Um, a big consideration for us is who needs this information most immediately? Mm -hmm. This is not intended to be um, rarefied. It's just there's limited resources for doing the program. I don't talk about money. I mean, speakers mm -hmm. and, and you can only ask speakers to come once a year, you know what mm -hmm. I mean, and speak. Yeah. And to have it be a true sort of um, uh, uh, master class, you, you need it to be containable. You need it to be enough so that there's few enough people that, that the size of the class people can interact because that's a big part of what the program is. Um, 
And uh, so what we look for is people who need it most immediately. We look at their letter of interest. They do a paragraph on why they want to be in the program. And we look at people, I mean, some people write two sentences and it's like, really? That's all you care about the program? Two wow. sentences? And uh, other people show their passion and desire to be in the program and talk about what they want to get out of it and what they can bring to it. And that kind of passion makes mm. a difference. And people who have interesting life experiences are certainly interesting. Uh, we balance it in terms of gender. In the past two years, we've had more women than men. We oh, have a diversity of platforms, who's in network, who's in cable, who's in streaming. We have diversity of ethnicity. We have diversity of um, genres. Mm. So we're looking for a diverse class. Mm. But Very this cool. is not a diversity program. It is absolutely right. not a diversity program, but it's something we consider very much. Yeah. So, so as compared to the mentoring program where you, um, you have a specific goal of staffing people on a, on a CBS series there, here, um, how are you able to measure the, the impact of the program and how it's helped? Yes, I am able to do that. (laughs) In the 15 years, 180 new shows have been created by alumni. Wow. Shows created or show run by alumni. Mm. Very, very cool. And and so uh, what happens when somebody finishes this? Is Is it just sort of that this is now stuff they've learned and they're going to carry it with them? Or or is there any sort of um, connecting that happens after this? mm -hmm. It's a a huge part of the program is the cohort, is Mm -hmm. people who are your classmates. And those people stay connected. You know, the Mm -hmm. people that are interested in staying connected. And they can ask each other about... Have, I need a DP. Who do, who have you worked with? I'm having this mm-hmm. problem at Apple. Can you speak to it? Have you had that experience? I'm looking mm-hmm. for an assistant. Um, have you ever run into this problem? Um, and I there are there are classes that get together every three months and have brunch. It's not going to be oh, everybody well. in the class, mm-hmm. but a lot of them. There's yep. people who have drinks twice a year. Um, mm-hmm very cohesive groups and they have Facebook pages and uh, Facebook groups. And, you know, Jeff Melvoin, Yvette Lee Bowser, Glenn Mazzara, um, certainly me, uh, we're available no matter how long ago you've been in the program to Mm. help, to help you if you have something that we can help you with. Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, it's it's so neat that you're you're able to help people at the beginning and also to help them get that leg up to the top as well. It's um, very exciting. Yeah. I'm the luckiest woman <laughs> in show business as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah, very, very cool. Now, uh, and especially you mentioned that there are some that were in the first program that end up in the second program. Um, you must love that part too. I do. It's very gratifying. Aaron Very Thomas cool. went through CBS, went through the showrunner training program, and he um, he uh, is executive producer on SWAT on CBS. Um, there's many other people too, so it's very exciting. 
Very, very cool. Um, before we leave the showrunner pr training program, is there any other thoughts that you'd want to share about it? It's an awesome program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People, after a day, uh -huh. people's heads explode. Um, wow. they, the days are so jam-packed. They start at 8.30. Here, here's just an example. They start at 8.30. Mm -hmm. The doors open at 8.30. We also feed them. I feed them mm. really well. 8.30 to 9 is bagels and schmooze and breakfast. Then class starts at 9 and goes through like a freight train until 4.30 mm. or 5. We have 45 minutes for lunch, mm. which is always a delicious lunch. And uh, then sometimes they go across the street to the Grove for drinks. Um, it's a wonderful, it's wonderful. It, it, it mm. is it is exciting. It's exciting to meet classes where people participate and mm. are all in. Very, very cool. Well, another awesome feather on your cap um, to be involved I'm, in these great programs. Yeah, I'm honored to be involved in these programs. Yeah, very cool. Well, the, the, the last portion of the interview, I want to talk more about what we sort of talked a little bit about at the beginning, which was um, the, when you released your book, we had a, a great discussion about sort of the state of the industry at that point. Um, right but now, with all your perspective, especially you, you have a great perspective from interacting with a lot of people sort of at different stages of their careers. Um, talk about 2020 and what the landscape is like for somebody who wants to be a TV writer or who's working their way up. Is this in light of COVID or is this if COVID wasn't existing right now? I say COVID aside. Okay, COVID aside. More opportunity, as I said, than ever to create work that gets traction and gets you mm -hmm. noticed and will help you get representation and help, will help you get in. Um, using social media artfully um, is really a way in having, you know, prodigious followers or views makes a difference when mm. people are considering you for jobs. Um, and using social media to connect with people, to connect with people, to connect with people, to get an opportunity mm. is new. Um, what I'm seeing a lot and before, remember we, the book, I wrote the book because there are so many entitled people. Mm -hmm. Now there's a lot of people who aren't working hard enough. Interesting. Interesting. They, they, and I got to tell you in my coaching practice, I've had like four parents contact me and say, my son or daughter is just graduating from college and I really want them to work with you to so you can help them. And I think, really, your mother is contacting me? Um, yeah. and, and there's just kids, there's people that maybe aren't putting the pedal to the metal. Mm -hmm. And that's going to that's gonna make you stand out every time. Every time. Wow. Interesting, interesting. Because um, this is an industry where you really have to work hard at, pretty much any level that's right um yeah uh but are you are you still seeing the entitlement or is you or you think that is something that we've moved away from i think there's still some of it i really do especially mm. from the elite schools um yeah. you see that 
Um, but in my CBS program and with my clients, I work with some first generation folks Mm -hmm. And they are used to working really hard and they don't have a sense of entitlement or people mm -hmm. who don't come from privilege, yeah. you know, who hard scrabble their way up. They're not entitled. Um, I, actually, I am finding a little bit less of it and I, I can't explain why, although it mm -hmm. still exists. Yeah. Interesting. Now, uh, one something actually, I, I just had an interview with with a writer who has had a very successful TV uh, career. He's been doing doing this for a couple of decades, and he never went to college. Um, how important do you think it is today for somebody who wants to write in television to have a college education? Uh, it's not mandatory. If you have a good story, it's not mandatory. Was it Charles Murray by any chance that you were interviewing? No, it was Evan Blyweiss. I don't know. Um, man, if you can be in the entertainment industry and you didn't go to college and you're a talented writer, you're interesting to me. You're mm. interesting to me. Like, what is your story that you were able to accomplish this? Um, I don't think you have to go to college. Most people in the business have gone to college and they use their alumni networks to help them get a leg up. Mm -hmm. But the rare ones who don't, it's not a disqualifier at all. That's very interesting. Very interesting. Um, and and let, let's do talk about the, the virus. Um, how do you see that changing uh, anything? I mean, it certainly is going to change a lot this year. But how do you th see it changing going forward um, the way we work? Well, let me tell you, mm -hmm. nobody knows. <laughs> so, um, that's the number one thing. And if I could yeah. use the F word, I'd say nobody knows what, um, what's going to happen. Um, I think that in terms of social distancing and being safe, unless and until there's a vaccine, you're mm -hmm. going to see different, you're going to see different procedures in place, different protocols. Mm -hmm. But Something I want to say, I know a lot of writers are thinking, okay, I have to write scripts that are good for, for social distancing and that could get made now. You know, that's great. We don't know how long this is going to go on. If you're at the level where you can actually sell a show for sure, you might want to think that. But if you're starting out, a piece of advice I give to everybody that I work with is do not chase the marketplace. Right. Write what you want to write. Because again, unless you're extraordinarily lucky, your piece of writing is going to be a writing sample. It's not mm. necessarily going to be something that's made. So write what you're burning to write. Right. Write what right. your sweet spot is. Hmm. And a year from now, when you're, when you're sharing your writing samples, I don't think anybody wants to hear about the virus. <laughs> I think that everybody is going to be really saturated with hearing about it. Um, but if you have an experience, it's a unique experience from having gone through this. I think we're going to see a lot of those scripts. We're going to see yeah. a lot of those scripts. So the ones that, that raise to rise to the top are going to be extraordinary. Mm. Yeah. Very cool. Well, uh, we're, we're just getting up to the wrapping up point, but uh, do you have any final thoughts, any final advice for, um, you have a window right now to talk to people who want to break in. What, what would you say to them? 
I, I would say be bold, mm-hmm. work your ass off, be as original as you can, be as persistent as you can, listen and learn and be brave. That's what I would say. Very cool. Well, that is a great place to end up. And of course, with all of that, work very hard. Work very hard. Work harder than Danielle Sanchez Witzel, a friend of mine who's a showrunner, said her father sat her down before she graduated from college and said, wherever you are, look to your left and look to your right and know that you have to work harder than either one of them. Hmm. And that is true. Yeah. Very cool. And that is a great place to end up. I uh, really appreciate, appreciate you taking your time again on the podcast. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you and so much for having me. It was fun. And that was my interview with Carol Kirshner. Wow. Some awesome stuff there. Please do follow me on Twitter. At Grade Jones is my handle. Make sure you do follow Carol on Twitter. You can find her Twitter handle in the comments below this video. Make sure you do subscribe on YouTube, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, any of the places you can find the podcast. Please do visit tvwriterpodcast.com for lots of other resources. You can find this podcast at scriptmag.com and check out all the back episodes. There's lots of great content um, that is still relevant today. And also visit tvwriterpodcast.com slash support for details on how you can become a patron of this podcast for as little as 25 cents per episode. Thanks for joining me and hope to see you next time. Bye-bye.